brother! The Sword of Gryffindor, Ben, yet another magical object shrouded in mystery. For example, what does the Sword of Gryffindor actually look like? Like, this is probably what you think of first. This is how it looks in the movie, after all, and yet this does little to nothing to answer the actual question. The only real descriptions we get are silver, encrusted with rubies, and then it says Godric Gryffindor on the blade, and other than that, it's really open to artistic interpretation. For example, the very first image most people ever saw of the sword was right here on the cover of Chamber of Secrets, and it is plainly different than this, largely because it looks so plain. For one, there's no rubies at all. It's got that knuckle bow on the handle and it has a fully circular cross guard instead of just a single straight one like this. And then it gets even worse if you open the book and look at the chapter art for chapter 18, Dobby's Reward, where Dumbledore is holding the sword. Now it has giant rubies, a curved blade, and yet another variation of the cross guard. But then on the original UK Deathly Hallows cover, it's more of a dagger. The illustrated version of Chamber of Secrets has a full page spread of the sword, but it's got way more gold in the handle than is ever described. Like, can anyone agree what this thing is supposed to look like? Actually, there are some theories out there that suggest the sword changes its length, weight, and style to best fit the Gryffindor in question that it's presenting itself to, and personally, I totally subscribe to that. But that's only one mystery of the sword. Today, I want to get to the bottom of a different one, which is where does the sword go when it's not in use? Guys, before we dive in today, we have a fun announcement that hot chocolate is back at carlinbrotherscoffee.com. Last year, we sold out super fast, but this year, we are ready for you. We have stocked more inventory, and we have a brand new flavor, salted caramel. Of course, if you're not a caramel person, caramel, caramel? Caramel. We also have our original flavor, Double Double Chocolate Chocolate, which is always great for getting rid of them Dementors. Pro tip for trying out our hot chocolate. If you also got some Carlin Brothers coffee, you can just take like a tablespoon of the hot chocolate, put it in your coffee, and it makes an amazing mocha. And don't forget that for every order we have on carlinbrotherscoffee.com, we donate one meal to the Faya Foundation so you can help others while treating yourself. Again, both flavors, Double Chocolate and Salted Caramel are available now over at carlinbrotherscoffee.com. Link is in the description down below. Hey, hey, remember when Voldemort walked into Hogwarts and prematurely declared victory, but then Neville pulls out the sword of Gryffindor and kills Nagini and Harry wakes up and finishes off Voldemort? Oh man, that was foolish. Oh, but seriously, it's Wednesday morning. Where is the sword? To Michigan? Nevada? Wisconsin? Pennsylvania? Georgia. Anyway, let's first give a brief refresher on the sword. It first shows up in a Chamber of Secrets when Harry is in the uh, Chamber of Secrets. Fox brings Harry the sorting at. He has no idea what to do with it, but he slams it on his head and voila, the sword appears. Harry picks it up, slays the basilisk, and the rest is history. 
And so the immediate questions are, uh, why did that come out of the hat? And where was it before it came out of the hat? Like, it just doesn't seem safe to keep a sword in a hat when that hat is going to be tried on by a bunch of 11 year olds every year. You know, that's just, it just seems like simple safety precautions. Well, the first one's pretty easy. The hat and the sword actually share a bit of a connection because they were both owned by the same person originally, Godric Gryffindor. Or, well, I guess it kind of depends who you ask. The goblins who made the sword would certainly tell you that Godric Gryffindor never truly owned the sword and that he was only ever really renting it from them. And that upon his death, the sword should have been returned to them. Which, personally, I always love the injection of this viewpoint into the story because it presents Harry with such an interesting moral dilemma. Like, who has the ultimate claim? The creator or the person who purchased the creation? I mean, personally, I think you can separate creator from creation, but that's just me. Anyway, Godric clearly added some sort of magic linking the two artifacts, but that still doesn't answer where the sword goes when no one's using it. And you might think, uh, well, Jay, it doesn't go anywhere. It's just exactly where the last person had it. I mean, after all, Harry pulls it out of the hat in year two, and then it just happily sits in Dumbledore's office until Dumbledore himself needs it in year six to destroy the ring. And that's true, but let me fast forward you to another moment with the sword after Harry and friends break into Gringotts. Griphook, the goblin, manages to steal the sword from them, but then he gets struck down dead by Voldemort and whoosh! Sword is gone. So where is it then? Where is it before it comes to Harry? Well, believe it or not, we actually get a pretty direct answer to the question, where do vanished objects go? That question is one of the riddles offered by the Ravenclaw common room door for them to gain access and Professor McGonagall answers it correctly. Where do vanished objects go? Into non-being, which is to say everything replied Professor McGonagall. And guys, I don't know about you, but that basically cleared up everything for me. End of video. Where's the sword? Everywhere and nowhere. Now, never, never anything was never not anywhere. Why? How? Because he's on third. Who's on third? No, who's on first? What? Yeah, so I guess in the wizarding world, vanished objects are just in the ether. But honestly, that's not where I think the sword goes. Because I don't think it's just vanishing into the nothingness as much as it is returning to a home base. In fact, the author has even shared some thoughts on the sword. Gryffindor's sword owes something to the legend of Excalibur, the sword of King Arthur, which in some legends must be drawn from a stone by the rightful king. The idea of fitness to carry the sword is echoed in the sword of Gryffindor's return to worthy members of its true owner's house. There is a further allusion to Excalibur emerging from the lake when Harry must dive into a frozen forest pool to retrieve the sword in Deathly Hallows. For in other versions of the legend, Excalibur was given to Arthur by the Lady of the Lake and was returned to the lake when he died. Whew, okay. Lots of interesting stuff in there. First, I never really thought about it, but yeah, I guess there are two versions of the way in which Arthur gets Excalibur. Sometimes it's the sword and the stone, and sometimes it's given to him by the Lady of the Lake. But then in some versions of the story, he gets two swords, but only one of them is Excalibur. And then in other versions still, he gets Excalibur twice, both ways, and it's just never explained why it had to be given to him uh, 
twice. Also, this is weird. Merlin, who is known to have been a real wizard within the world of Harry Potter, was in Slytherin House and would have been alive during the time that the stories about King Arthur were being written. But those stories don't take place in the present of when they're being written. They take place like 500 years before Hogwarts was founded, but Merlin is in those stories, so I don't exactly know how that works. But all that is to say, it's possible that within the wizarding world, the sword of Gryffindor literally was Excalibur, the very sword upon which it was based, which kind of feels uh, paradoxical, if you ask me. Honestly, it's not that important. I just thought it was a fun aside. The important part is that the author specifically says the Sword of Gryffindor takes a lot of cues from Excalibur. And that Excalibur returns to the lake after Arthur is dead, which to me means that the sword also returns to some sort of home base. Then there's also that notion of fitness to carry the sword as it returns to worthy Gryffindors, which seems to explain how characters are able to pull it from the hat, but I think there's another layer to this one, which we actually get to see firsthand when Ron rescues Harry from the freezing pond. Afterwards, Harry tells Ron, because you got the sword out of the pool, I think it's supposed to be you. He was not being kind or generous. As certain as he had known that the dough was benign, he knew that Ron had to be the one to wield the sword. Dumbledore had at least taught Harry something about certain kinds of magic, of the incalculable power of certain acts. In that moment, Ron is the master of the sword because he's the one who jumped into the pool and saved Harry and retrieved it, which is why Ron is the one who has to use it to destroy the Horcrux. Which then of course begs the question, what would have happened if Ron hadn't been the one to try and destroy the Horcrux? And honestly, I think like if Harry had tried to do it, it would have just disappeared again. Every time we see the sword used as a sword, like to actually swing and kill something, it is being used by the current master of the sword. Harry pulls it out, kills the basilisk. Neville pulls it out, kills Nagini. Ron retrieves it from the pool, saves Harry, destroys the Horcrux. In the meantime though, there are no examples of the sword being used as a sword by other people. Sure, they can hold it, they can examine it, they can move it around if they want to, but no one else actually tries to use it as a sword. And if they did, I don't think it would have worked based on what Harry tells Ron after they get out of the pond. Uh, but wait, you might be saying, didn't Dumbledore use the sword to destroy the ring and he didn't pull it out of the hat? Actually, yes, you are right, he does do that but that's next week's video. But this is why the sword is able to just remain where it is in the physical world for such long stretches of time because the master isn't actually changing. I mean, you basically need to have the sorting hat and the sorting hat just sits in Dumbledore's office. The demand for the sword out in the world just isn't very high. Or, well, I guess it could be, but the way in which it could be supplied is very limited. But based on what we know, it makes sense to me that if a non-master of the sword tried to wield it, or if the sword just found itself completely lost, it can always just vanish itself back to its home base, which is where? Well, believe it or not, and it's actually not very hard to believe, Hermione actually comes very close to solving this exact problem when she suggests they go to the very place I'm sure you're already thinking of, Godric's Hollow. Other than Hogwarts, it's the only other place really associated with Godric Gryffindor, and while Hogwarts, or I guess, uh, 
inside the hat are plausible answers, Godric's Hollow is definitely the best option. And as I said, it is in fact the location Harry and Hermione go looking for the sword on Christmas Eve during Deathly Hallows. But the first hint that this is the real hiding place of the sword comes in the name itself, Godric's Hollow. Hollow can mean several different things, most commonly just something that is, uh, I guess, void on the inside, which feels like a really dark way to describe something hollow, but it can also refer to a V-shaped ravine or valley, or a place to cover, conceal, or save something, and oh my gosh, that's exactly what we're looking for, a hiding place. Godric's hollow, Godric's hiding place, but where in the town? Well, my bet is that your first guess is buried with him, and you would be dead, ah, Right. Now, to be fair, we don't actually know for sure where Godric Gryffindor is buried. We know that he was born in the town, and that's why the town was eventually named after him. But I think he and the sword are also here. I mean, first of all, this is a famous wizarding graveyard. It's got the Peverils and the Dumbledores and the Potters and... The town is named after him. That's that's a good start. But two is the church the graveyard is attached to. We finally learn in The Cursed Child that the name of the church is St. Jerome's Church. And that's significant here because I looked up St. Jerome and let me ask you if any of this sounds familiar. St. Jerome is known as one of the four great Latin fathers of the church and is often depicted in artwork accompanied by a wait for it, lion and the color red. Like, what? But just wait, it gets better. Remember how we were talking about Excalibur earlier? Well, <clears throat> in Robert de Boron's Merlin, the first tale to mention the sword in the stone motif, Arthur obtained the British throne by pulling a sword from an anvil sitting atop a stone that appeared in a churchyard on Christmas Eve. Are you kidding me? I mean, Harry, the the one, and Hermione are at Godric's Hollow looking for the sword on Christmas Eve. Harry, I think it's Christmas Eve. Like, I'm sorry, but that that is just not a coincidence. Now, granted, the sword isn't actually there while Harry and Hermione are there, but they do read this inscription, and maybe this is just a coincidence, on Kendra Dumbledore's grave. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Now, in case you don't know, that is a Bible verse, Matthew 6, 21, and it is normally interpreted as a warning not to have all of your love and attention be on earthly matters, because if it is, that's where your treasure will be, and it won't be where it's supposed to be on uh, God. But I can't help but notice that in this very specific situation, the treasure Harry is looking for, the sword isn't there, but we know it is at Hogwarts, the place Harry Potter's heart always is. But there you go, guys. That is the hiding spot of Godric Gryffindor's sword when it's not in use. If not buried with him in the cemetery, then at the very least, somewhere in that church. But Ben, my question for you and everyone else is, do you agree, is this the actual hiding spot of the sword. If you have your own theories, I would love to hear them in the towel section down below. Guys, thanks as always for watching today's video. Don't forget to leave a like on it if you haven't already and subscribe so you don't miss any future Harry Potter action from us. If you want to see our video about the missing Horcrux Voldemort must have had with him when he was going to kill Harry as a baby, you can check out this video right here. Hint. 
it's also the sword. But otherwise, Ben, until next time, I will see you in another life, bro.